Hello, and welcome back to the Becoming Fully Human podcast. Uh, My name is Cam. I'm your faithful host, and I come to you today with an episode about relationships. Relational awareness, breakups, we're going to touch on attachment styles, on self-abandonment, um, on lots of things related to relational, yeah, relationships basically. And this definitely stems from what is relevant in my life at the moment, which is a breakup with my partner. It's funny because the episode before last, I believe, touched on my breakup. And here we are months later, same topic. I'm glad I didn't record an episode about rekindling with your ex because, um, I mean, I guess it would have been relevant too. It was relevant at the time. Um, He and I got back together and then decided about a month ago to uh, end the relationship. And yeah, I guess becoming fully human is always a reflection of where I'm at on my life journey and sharing my experience in hopes that you relate and can grow as well. Um, Of course, filtering it through your own eyes and experience, but I think there's so much power in storytelling, in relating to other people's life experiences, especially when they're shared authentically and vulnerably. So I hope to do that for you today. Um, yeah, I did a Q&A asking for questions on the subject and that I would record a podcast about it and many, many questions, amazing questions, actually so many amazing questions, which I can't get to them all, but I picked some good ones and I will touch on those today. I think I'll try and get through five or six, which whether you're going through a breakup or not, um, the themes that are discussed are universal in all aspects of life, really, because the aspect of letting go, obviously present in a breakup, is it's present in all aspects of our life. Um, we're constantly having to let go as we evolve into different versions of ourselves, letting go of past versions of who we were, um, letting go of expectations we've projected onto other people, letting go of, you know, friendships, relationships, be it um, out of choice or, you know, through death, um, letting go of jobs and yeah, there's letting go. I mean, this too shall pass. Change is the only constant in life, really. So learning how to navigate that with grace and clarity is such a gift. And I think that's one of, well, it's, it's definitely a huge reason why I'm so grateful for this past year with my ex-partner is that he has been my greatest teacher um, as a mirror to all these areas of my life that needed to really deeply be explored. Um, you know, every time I've gotten triggered in the past year through him, obviously has nothing to do with him. Um, has everything to do with my own journey and not in a way that minimizes 
him his existence to being just a mirror not at all but more so as a way to grow from what feels painful kind of as a a realignment i guess of my own integrity of my own honoring of self um, we're going to touch quite a bit on self-abandonment in this episode which again is present in every aspect of life it's the exchange that we give of our true authentic core essence like who we are in alignment we often trade that to be to feel safe or to be chosen or to be loved we learn this in childhood um and we don't do it consciously most of the time because look if things were conscious we wouldn't do them i genuinely believe that when you know better you do better and so uh, as we navigate this subject, I think it's important for you to be very compassionate with yourself. Um, it's very easy to look back on relationships or experiences and think like, wow, what was I doing? Or why did I behave that way? Or on the flip side, like if I had just behaved, um, like it doesn't even have to be in terms of self-abandonment. Like, obviously, if self-abandonment is present and you lost yourself in a relationship, it's very easy to be hard on yourself and say, you know, I shouldn't do that for someone. Um, but yeah, on the flip side, if you think, how oh, had I showed up as a more evolved, conscious, mindful version of myself, maybe the relationship could have been saved. And if that's not possible, we only, we're always doing the best that we can. Um, and the only way that you could possibly know that you could have done better is because you learned through experience. So, so yeah, that's where the power is really in all of the pain that we endure by clinging to situations like clinging, as opposed to letting go gracefully, clinging and failing to surrender to what is really real is such a wild behavior we learn because we think often that in clinging we're preserving something or we're trying to protect something or we're trying to avoid a specific outcome but in clinging you generate the outcome for yourself so um i mean i can give the example of self-abandonment in relationships so if you're um showing up in a way where you're not being yourself wholeheartedly and completely out of fear that the person isn't going to choose you or meet you or see you and accept you and love you in trying to avoid abandonment from the other you abandon yourself so when we cling to what is not meant for us we're, we always lose there's there's just no way around it um what is meant for you is always meant for you and you cannot lose what is meant for you so that's my introductory ramble. <laughs> um, I think let's just dive straight in. Okay. So question number one is opinions on going no contact after you've broken up in brackets. We don't talk much. We don't talk much. It's currently 10 months. So I'm guessing you've been broken up for 10 months. Um, yeah. So unless you've broken up based on 100% mutually shared belief that the relationship 
should be over and neither of you have has any lingering uncertainties or feelings then I believe yes there should be a period of no contact and that example was kind of given as a joke because that never happens um, breakups are gray they're complicated the very fact that there is a breakup implies that at some stage there was a, a deeper connection which means there's layers and complexities and feelings um, I'll share from personal experience that when my ex and I broke up in about March of this past year, we tried to stay friends right off the bat. And if I'm honest, we didn't even discuss friendship. Um, I moved out and we kept hanging out and behaving basically as if we were just dating. And I can only speak to my own experience, but this was deeply traumatic to me on many levels. For one, part of our breakup was rooted in my desire for a long-term commitment from my partner. Um, I wanted to know the direction of our life, or at least the vision of what could be possible. Um, for me, that vision includes marriage and babies. And mm, I'll touch on what my belief of marriage is later in a different question, but basically we didn't see eye to eye on that. So inevitably, that means breaking up. Um, so continuing to spend my so much of my time with him in a pretty intimate way, I'm actually self-abandoning the fuck out of myself. And if I get really real about my emotions back then, um, a huge part of my desire to continue spending time with him was like intric intricately connected to my desire for him to change his mind about the future with me. So by hanging out with him, um, I was actually being extremely manipulative towards him, um, which is lose-lose. It was hard on me, and it's not actually fair to the other person if your intentions are um, anything, anything but friendship. Um, so yeah, our separation took months, really, to the point where I was self-abandoning. I was self-abandoning so hard, I like hit rock bottom. I could see my patterns, I could see his patterns, my behavior, his behavior with such clarity. And I just said no more, like I needed to heal. Um, that was my priority. So we implemented no contact until I knew that I was grounded enough to see him and not go back to these what ifs and basically be derailed at all. And that was kind of like, you know, if he would only do this, then we could be happy. Or how amazing would life be if he could just think this or just do this? Um, so yeah, I didn't date during the first three weeks of not uh, contacting him because in the same way that I didn't feel I could hold space for a friendship with him, I also knew that meant I couldn't hold space for another man in my life. And only when I felt like integrated enough with all these emotions that were coming up, um, and the lessons that I was learning through my ex, only when I was embodied again, did I start to date. And it was at that point that I also reached out to him um, to catch up. I felt enough clarity and confidence and anchor in my own self. Um, yeah, that I felt ready to kind of move on. And I also knew that catching up with him, which 
I mean, your question is communication, but it's really all the same. If there is a, a connection there, be it through a text or checking a social media account or seeing the person in real life, like they're all um, attachments we have to someone. And it doesn't matter how small it is, if it triggers something in you that prevents you from healing and moving on and growing, um, then it's a no. So I knew that this catch up with him post our last breakup would be a huge test for me. And if I was still hoping to get back together with him, um, like, could I hold space basically for myself without abandonment while being around him? And how embodied could I stay in my experience knowing that things would be heightened? Like, it's it's difficult to navigate a breakup and inevitably the type of chemistry and longing and um, like cherry picking of memories even of how great things were when we have some distance from someone. Like, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Um so yeah, all of this requires a huge degree of honesty with yourself. Like I knew if I saw him and reverted to old patterns that we would have to go back to no contact. Um, my healing was my priority. It is my priority. And so after we got back together, um, it wasn't long before I started to notice the two of us going back to these old patterns and his avoidant attachment style was triggering my anxious attachment style and as soon as that presented itself clearly with no desire on his part to lean in, uh, we ended it. And well, I say we ended it, technically I ended it, but I don't think one partner ever ends the relationship. Like the dynamic is generated by both and so both are responsible for the dissolution of a relationship and i had done a lot of healing in our last breakup so um this time around when we separated about a month ago so in july um i was pretty confident that we'd go straight into being friends and we tried that uh, but the problem was that neither of us were acting platonic so we were grasping at more intimacy than was appropriate for friendship we were spending our whole days together uh, when he wasn't working we were still engaging in like highly codependent behavior that was unhealthy in our relationship and to me is amplified in the degrees of how unhealthy it is when you're no longer in a committed relationship because then you're not even in a safe container to explore and heal and le like lean in basically so um, yeah, we had to set another no contact, um, because healing was a priority and what that looks like for you is, well, actually it's this super related to the next question. Um, question two is how long should a no contact period go after a breakup? And I would say until being in contact doesn't derail, uh, you whatsoever so your healing is your priority and only you can benefit from being honest with yourself here and only you have to lose from not being really real with yourself like that's it I have no investment in how long that boundary is but know that the only way you could ever get back together in a healthy way with this person um, is when you reach a place where you no longer need them and you can move on with or without them with ease in either direction. So I'm not saying that 
um, in staying friends, you still want to get back together with them. Um, but if you're messaging me a question, asking what's appropriate, kind of like kind of in this gray zone, I, I'm assuming that there is not a complete, uh, it's not clear for you what is appropriate or what's right or wrong or what um, is serving you actually. So um, yeah, I think that's the benchmark really is you reach a place of healing in your own or letting go, I guess. It's, it's when you've let go. When you can truly say that you've let go to the point of um, not needing the relationship anymore. That you could get back into... I mean, of course, then getting back into relationship, that's like a whole other conversation. Because um, actually, it's another question. So we'll just save it for then. But yeah, it's until you reach a degree of clarity that you're no longer participating in a codependent dance um, with no genuine growth. So breakups are hard, um, but they're also one of the most powerful tools for self-healing, exploration, awareness, growth. Um, you're being shown with a great degree of precision where you have wounds that need healing and shadow that needs integrating. So um getting back together with an ex without growth is just pattern it's just a pattern so until you believe 100% that you are okay and dare I say it even happy with or without them I would have no contact um that might require blocking each other on social media if you have to like communicate these boundaries communicate them clearly if you have the opportunity or relationship um with a person to do that so like you share seeing your photos on social media is derailing my healing. Um, I care about you and I look forward to friendship one day if that works for you once I'm able to connect with you in a way that isn't destabilizing for me. And I would suggest that if you don't have the kind of relationship with this person where you can have this kind of conversation and they respect your boundaries, then you should have no contact with them ever again. And you definitely should not ever entertain the idea of getting back together with them. Um, because that degree of like mutual self-respect uh, is, it's so, it's like, it's, it's the most basic requirement for a healthy relationship. Um, and yeah, so get real, get really real with yourself here. If seeing him or her in person and, um, Yes, well, seeing him or her in person is obvious. Like, that is a no-no if you are going to get triggered or um, derail your healing or start ruminating again about the potential of getting back together or this and that. But there's very subtle ways of derailing yourself as well and crossing your own boundaries. So no contact doesn't just mean not communicating. Sure, it means not seeing the person, not texting them, not calling them not asking your friends how they're doing, but it actually means like not doing any like covert sneakiness either. So you're not checking their social media. Um, you're not checking to see what time they were last on WhatsApp. You're not checking um, to see if they've watched your Instagram stories. Like you're not going to be able to get over someone and attract the kind of healthy relationship that you probably think that you want if you engage in that kind of behavior. Um, so yeah, set a no contact boundary and honor it. 
no calls, no texts, block each other on social media lovingly, and feel free to extend that boundary longer if the time that you guys agreed on lapses and you realize that you're still not ready for contact, just communicate that. All right, so the next question is number four. Actually, I kind of fused two questions together here because I felt like answering them um, was related. So the two questions are, do you have to be totally healed before getting in a relationship? There were quite a few different questions kind of on that level, like when do you know you're ready to be, um, like when you're fixed enough to be in a relationship, kind of stuff like that. And then the second um, question that I morphed it with is, should I date men or women who are not my total, in air quotes, list or wait for the one? Um so we heal in relationship like coming from someone who was celibate for like over four years before I started dating again like I had this idea and look whatever you choose to do is a part of your path so it was a part of my path to be single for four years and I had this narrative that um something some way that I was showing up in relationship wasn't working because the good guys that I was attracted to, uh, that faded very quickly, my interest in them. And then what I was attracting was emotionally unavailable, physically unavailable, like just degrees of unavailability, which is not what I said I wanted, but it was this like looping pattern that I was attracting. So I was like, I need to tap out from this. And in the more shadowy side of why I decided to stay single for that long was a uh, fear of rejection and abandonment and all these like deep um, wounds that I actually wasn't able to face until I engaged in relationships again. So you can get so far um, as a single person, but partnerships are mirrors to where we have like they show us aspects of ourselves that I just don't think we can witness without um, the relational experience of being with another person. So you actually can't be, well, first of all, you're not broken. So there's that. Um, and perfection isn't ever a thing. So there's that too. But really all people who enter our lives are but a mirror to our own inner world. So romantic relationships are generally our biggest teachers, I would say, because chemistry and like attraction will make us remain in an environment that is more toxic than we would permit ourselves to stay in, in like say a friendship. Um, and what a gift, like we need these experiences to heal and to become self-aware and to grow. Um, oftentimes we're mirroring dynamics that we experienced in relation in, in childhood. So we need to play replay these childhood wounds so that we can learn and grow in ways that we didn't have an opportunity to as vulnerable children. And many of us say we want a conscious partner, but the reality is that if they showed up today, are you ready? Like, are you genuinely ready, wanting, or even have the capacity to attract them in the first place? But it's like, like the fact that I remained in a relationship with someone for a whole year who wouldn't deeply commit long-term, even though 
that's what I said I wanted from day dot like I communicated with that with him in our very first conversation like we spoke about marriage and the fact that I stayed with him past the first time he expressed to me that he didn't see that that's where this was going between us is a testament to the fact that I was not ready for deep commitment because if I was ready for that if I had like truly embodied the worth required to even hold that value then I would have left like I would have lovingly said oh that's totally fine that you don't see that going in this direction but I know what I need for myself and then the like the the subcontext of that is I I value myself enough to actually say that I want something and then back it up with stepping away from a dynamic where someone's not offering that to me um and yeah like I thank my ex with my whole like from the depths of my whole heart for being such a beautiful mirror to the areas in of my life that I was playing small and self-abandoning and shrinking and like we accept what we think we deserve so like dating is just it's the biggest gift really you run into the fire with dating like date and if you know you're attracted to someone and want to date them even though they're not like embodying your list and I think the whole list thing um it can become problematic if you're listing out things that are um like I would distill a list for you of what you're looking for in a partner to what the core essence of what you're trying to feel from the things on the list for example you could say um like he makes x amount of money or he's very rich but really what do you want from that do you want to feel safe do you want to feel um like you like do you want do you like to travel so you want adventure like don't get too stuck on very specific things um, because are you ever going to meet that person if your list is like 3,000 things long and it's like, I want him to be this tall, this color eyes. I want this to be his name. I want this to be, I want him to have this kind of dog. It's like distill what a list for what you want in a partner to be to really the core essence of what it means for you. I think um, I've said the list a few times, but I actually don't think you should go into the dating experience with like a checklist of what you need your partner to be. Like the things that are your non-negotiables should really be rooted in the meaning behind what would typically be on a list of what you're looking for in a partner. Anyways, um, but yeah, so what I was saying is like if you're attracted to someone and they're not showing up as what you say you want, then date them and get burned like lean in feel the pain don't use willpower or spiritual bypass like don't spiritual bypass your own growth because your wounds will just manifest elsewhere like you have to understand why you're always in a dramatic relationship or why you always attract emotionally unavailable patterns or like why people cheat on you all the time there's so much beauty in understanding the lesson that is there for you that you being attracted to someone who like in air quotes isn't right for you just means that you have work to do. And if you bypass that work, trust me, 
the right person on paper could come along and you wouldn't even have desire to be with them or you'd self-sabotage it. Okay, so question number five is a bit of a long question. Um, question five, what are your thoughts on this? Every long-term relationship requires some kind of compromising. Is wanting to always be 100% yourself and do what you want not an in individualistic wish in an already too individualistic world i also lost myself in an eight-year relationship but i'm struggling not to fly to the other side of totally 100 being me and if not then bye i hope there's a middle way um so self-abandonment doesn't mean that you don't compromise and in fact i would argue that compromise is the opposite of self-abandonment compromise is selfish it's exploring the ways in which you may be able to change your mind and serve your partner's wants and needs to make yourself happy in the relationship, to grow their relationship, to be more fulfilled, like without any need to abandon self. So yourself is your like core essence. It's your authentic self. It's the person that you came into the world as before society, your caregivers and trauma basically started chipping away at you and reinforcing that your wants and needs and values aren't as important as other people's many of us grew up trading our authentic self for love and safety so if your parents for example argued a lot which is extremely common and this is like the tip of the iceberg in terms of self-abandonment coping mechanisms that we cultivate um, you may have learned that you were too much of a burden to add to an already chaotic environment. So you stayed small and you hid your needs and you opted to do anything and everything to be like the easy kid as to not add burden to your parents' problems. And essentially, we also do that for self-preservation. It's so that you could keep yourself safe. Um, as an adult, that translates generally to well, many issues, including people-pleasing. So putting almost everyone's needs ahead of your own. And that's one of like infinite examples on how we lose our true authentic sense of self or values, our needs, our voice. Mm, none of those things have to be abandoned in relationship. And like, yes, relationships are full of compromises, but they can also be full of healthy disagreement. Like first, let's get clear um, that to know yourself and your core essence, you need to be embodied Um being like present in your body and aware of your sensations and get, like, getting really clear on identifying what it means to have a full body yes or a full body no. Um, I mean, there's also a full body maybe, but we'll save that for another time. Um, communicating your yes and your no is going to basically lead to times when you and your partner disagree. And then at that point, there's uh, a few options. The first is compromise. So Compromise can manifest itself in a healthy or in an unhealthy way. There's disagreement, which also can be healthy or unhealthy. And then there's self-abandonment, which is also could be called like self-sacrifice. And that's always unhealthy. But you have to understand that self-abandonment is a coping mechanism. Like I said, that is learned. Um, so although it's in air quotes unhealthy it's actually served a purpose once upon a time because you cultivated or I say you I cultivated this like you you mentioned it in your question you said I also lost myself and um 
yeah, I've shared a lot about my journey in the past year, which uh, I'll just touch on that later, I guess. Let's just stick with um, how we disagree. So yeah, compromising is changing your mind. Disagreement is agreeing to see the situation differently. And then self-abandonment is um, changing your point of view when you don't mean to. I mean... I guess here, I'll give you an example. So a few, and this is like, like fluff stuff, but it's actually, it's, it's still incredibly important because generally if self-abandonment happens in situations like this, then it's going to permeate in much bigger and more important aspects of your relationship too. But anyways, for example, your partner and you are deciding what to have for dinner and he suggests pizza and you are thinking of having chicken. So healthy compromise could be as simple as, mm, well, I wanted to have chicken for dinner and you wanted to have pizza, but I don't actually care. So you're not getting a full body yes or a full body no. You just are kind of indifferent. So yeah, let's have pizza. That's a healthy compromise. Um, an unhealthy compromise is wanting chicken, but... Um, so getting a full body no from having pizza, but then feeling like if you don't have pizza, he'll be annoyed. And then you have an underlying and perhaps even most likely unconscious fear that if he's annoyed, maybe he won't choose you. Maybe he won't love you. Maybe he'll abandon you. So you falsely act flexible and say, yeah, I'd love pizza. Let's get pizza. When in fact, pizza is a full body no for you. So this is problematic because it leads to resentment like th that self-abandonment um healthy disagreement uh would be okay why don't you have pizza and i have chicken and neither of you resent the other for not choosing the same food there's nothing else like it ends there um and you don't worry that disagreeing will trigger the other person to love you any less like it's just oh Ah, yeah, well, let's, you know, you go to that place, I'll order in from this place, or I'll cook at home, you'd order a pizza. Um, unhealthy disagreement would be when you fight over what you should have, thinking that um, you should have the same thing 100% of the time, or you should agree 100% of the time, and whoever wins is like smarter, better, in charge, more worthy, etc. So codependency creeps in uh, big time here because when we look at disagreement and compromise um, you have to ask yourself is me changing my mind a result of my fear of how my partner is going to view me or think of me so if you're changing your mind to be loved by this person to be chosen by this person that is self-abandonment um if changing your mind is a gift to the person with no strings attached, for example, there's no secret contract that, well, next time it better be my choice or, you know, I'm going to, next time I'm going to bring up that I always choose your way and you never choose my way, like, then there's no self-abandonment. If you're just doing it from this place of like, Mah, oh yeah, that's fine, we can do that. Or, you know what, I really wanted chicken, but meh, he loves pizza and I don't really care. It's like it has to be coming from that selfless place. If you're going to hold resentment or like add it to the tally board of, oh, I can't wait. You know, I'm going to tell him next time I'm going to bring it up um, that he always gets to pick. If that is occurring, then it's because you're operating from a place of self-abandonment. Um, 
yeah, if your choice is making you feel like you're sacrificing yourself, this is not compromise. That self-abandonment, like martyrdom, self-sacrifice, it's essentially living out of alignment or integrity. And it's not only hurting you, it's actually hurting your partner too. Anytime you self-abandon for the other person, like for in a massive air quote, because well, you're doing it to keep the relationship alive in your head, you're living out of truth. And in fact, you're not even giving your partner an opportunity to truly see you and choose you because you're filtering yourself through what you perceive they want, need, or will believe if you disagree or show up as who you are authentically. So you're basically manipulating them by being easygoing and flexible and going with the flow. Like if it's not your truth, you're effectively lying to them. People pleasing is actually extremely manipulative. Like it's manipulative as fuck. You're essentially telling someone that you won't be able to handle who I really am. So I'm going to pretend to be this other thing so that you love me. And look, we all do this. I've shared this in the past episode that with my ex, like he was so picky with music that I totally self-abandoned my own preferences around him. Um, Apart from like playing music a couple times at the start of our relationship, which he quickly like dismissed or like changed the song, turned the volume down. What I picked up on completely subconsciously was like, my musical preferences aren't good enough. Like the way that he spoke about other people's music choices or music in general was this like, you know, very sophisticated. He had a very like, um, clear preference when it came to music and I just listen to anything like like I said in the last podcast sometimes I like to sing to pop music uh, on the radio or I like to listen to country music and yeah I did appreciate a lot of the music that he played so it wasn't like I wasn't lying to him but I was filtering the like depth of the kind of music that I listened to because subconsciously I had quickly picked up on ooh he doesn't like my kind of music, which means he won't like me. And so for me to be chosen by him, I have to not like or not listen to this music around him. And one day it hit me like a ton of bricks. I can't even, I can't even like express to you how it was like a slap in my own face that like, he didn't even know that I like to listen to country music sometimes. Like, what the fuck? all of a sudden I had the secret and this awareness that, oh my God, he doesn't truly know me. And I never gave him a chance to really see me or know me because my subconscious like chose to morph into this like easygoing, I'll listen to anything kind of person so that like subconsciously he wouldn't abandon me. And we do this in so many ways with food, with music, with clothes, with hobbies, with friendships, like you name it. Just because your partner loves something doesn't mean you have to. And if they aren't willing to let you express yourself authentically and vice versa, trust me, this is not your person. When we self-abandon, we're reinforcing the neural pathways that believe I'm not, well, I'm willing to sacrifice my highest truth to be loved that love requires self-abandonment, that I'm not worthy of being chosen for who I am, that the world isn't abundant, as in you're not going to meet someone who actually lets you be yourself, Mm, that I'm unlovable as I am. Like, so yes, every 
like I agree that every relationship requires compromise and I get that this question is rooted in like how much I've been sharing about how toxic self-abandonment is but like get clear on this compromise and self-abandonment are not the same thing disagreements are a part of life but can you sit in this space between agreement and self-abandonment can you disagree with someone and still stay in relationship with them can you compromise on things that are not a reflection of your deepest truth and core essence as a human being and I think communication is really the bridge here. Like it's the secret weapon against self-abandonment, actually. When you begin to share your inner dialogue with your partner, when you feel a full body no, can you share that with him or her? Instead of running, which is like a very avoidant tactic, or self-abandoning your needs uh, instantly to avoid conflict, which is more of like an anxious attachment style behavior. Like can you pursue and share what's, can you pause and share what's happening in your body in real time? And even if it's not in real time, like if you say yes when you mean no, how does that feel in your body? When you've calmed down and you can go back to your partner, like can you share, hey, um, you know when I said it would be okay for you to cancel our plans and go out with your cousin? Like actually that was really hurtful. And um, when I said it wasn't a problem, I was actually trying to be this like cool, easy girlfriend because I'm afraid that deep down if I share my truth with you of being hurt, that you'll resent me or abandon me. And a conscious partner will meet you. Like if you say these wounds are deep rooted, they come from childhood and would you be willing to help me heal like that to me that is what a relationship is there for it's like a safe container to heal in and yeah a conscious partner is going to meet you there like will he or she always give you what you want no no that should never be the goal like otherwise that's self-abandonment for the other person but learning to dialogue about your yes and your no's, about your beliefs, about your wants and your needs, like you can start to heal your childhood wounds from that place. And you can start to compromise and hold space for where your partner's at and you can feel seen and you can feel chosen for who you really are. Okay, moving on to question five. When is it that we have to say enough is enough in giving second slash third chance in a relationship okay so rekindling with an ex if there's no growth is just a pattern um so first of all i would examine what the problem or problems in the 1.0 or 2.0 or even the 10.0 version of your relationship were like write them down um now sit with your list and get clear on what your role in generating them was because it always takes two to tango or as Byron Katie would say, it takes two to go to war. So I think it's always important to start by getting really real about your participation in a dynamic that ended a relationship. Um, now ask yourself, have you clearly communicated your wants and needs? Uh, surrounding each of these problems so knowing that if you're in a heterosexual relationship men and women do not think the same like not even remotely trust me if you're a woman and you're ident and you're insinuating your 
problems or like what you need your partner to work on and he is a man no matter how clear you think you're being you are not being clear to a man if you want growth and consciousness in your relationship and you're in a dynamic between a man and a woman you have to get incredibly clear like spell it out if you want growth and consciousness get clear um if you're bad at self-expression or you get nervous or you crumble in like conversations then write it down and read it like look I write and talk for a living I'm very comfortable expressing myself in my day-to-day life but when it comes to having difficult conversations with a partner it's not always easy so very often um well, actually, in, in like the rekindling of my relationship with my ex in that period before we separated again, I would literally write out the reflection of how I was feeling. And especially if I got triggered, I'd be like, ooh, how I'm showing up right now is suboptimal. So I would write out where I was coming from, why I got triggered, what childhood wound I think it was coming from and I specifically said how I thought he would be able to help me heal from that place and so that was for my own shit but it applies in both directions if there's a problem presenting itself get really clear on what it is you would want and need for the problem to no longer be a problem um so now that you've clearly expressed your wants and needs like is your partner even remotely interested in addressing them and meeting you? And how do you know that he or she is? Like, have they told you? Like, pause for a second and actually get real with yourself because oftentimes they haven't or they've explicitly said that they don't think it's a problem. And then we cling to the potential of something that isn't even actually on our partner or ex's radar. So that is danger zone. That is like delusion 101 and I've done it like even in this example that has kind of been like a running narrative through this podcast of him explicitly telling me that long-term commitment and marriage is not the direction he sees our relationship going I ignored that (laughs) like I was like ah but if he gets to know me a little bit better he'll change his mind or ah if he just heals that wound from childhood then he'll change his mind or if this or if that it's like hold up because think of how hard it is to change even if you want to change if they're not wanting to change holy shit end it because I mean, I've got so much compassion for you. I'm talking to myself here big time. Like potential is great, but only if the person has showed not only an interest in growing in that direction, but like also has a plan. And even then, that's literally the starting line of change. They haven't even started the race. Someone could want to change, try to change and feel repeatedly. Like if someone says to you that they want to be faithful, okay, and they, they, see how harmful it is to be unfaithful and they don't want to hurt you and they tell you they're going to therapy but they cheat on you again like the problem shifts from their problem to your problem at that point and that is not um a personal story it's just off the cuff but like this is a major problem I mean the personal story that like I share that is true to me is yes I saw it as being my partner's problem like but we're so happy together like we have such good times we're such a good fit if like his problem is just 
seeing a future like there's ways around that so like at that stage it was his problem like well if he just could see a future like we have a great relationship so there's no reason that that wouldn't continue happening which is like fair enough like that's somewhat true um but once I expressed to him my beliefs on the situation and how it was problematic for me because what I want is a long-term commitment and once I expressed the problematic nature of that like disagreement between the two of us he didn't see it that way he doesn't see it that way and so it actually doesn't matter what I think because he has no desire to to look at that aspect of our disagreement like he doesn't see a problem so yeah like this this is major it goes from being his problem to being my problem like the new problem is why am I staying that's the problem that's my problem and um well that was my problem and this is major because if we can stay or take someone back who continues to show us that their words and actions aren't aligned um or that they're words and actions are aligned but we give a different story to their words so like if my ex bless him was completely honest with me and I was like nah he doesn't mean it I know how happy we are I know how happy we could be uh in the future too like this is just going to continue so he must not mean it I'm like that that's my problem like that has nothing to do with him and so the problem then becomes self-abandonment and continues continuing to choose someone who continues not to fully fulfill what it is you want and need out of a relationship. So that's awesome. If you can realize that, that it's your problem, oh, freedom, because you can't fix other people's problems. So you can communicate, uh, especially when you're still in a relationship or if you're discussing getting back in a relationship, that's the at the point when you can say, hey, before we get back in a relationship, like we had these problems previously. What do you think about this? How do you want to address this? What, well, how do you feel about this problem? Um, but if you reach a point where you're very clear that it's your problem, i.e. why are you staying in this dance that is not going anywhere ever, you can address that. Like those are your wounds. Those are your patterns. And this goes back to the previous question too, actually, about compromise in the long-term relationships. Like, don't let the pendulum swing so far that you run at first sight of conflict. Um, but how do you two navigate conflict together? Like, can you compromise? Can you disagree and grow in a healthy way or not? Um, if not, then there's no more taking them back or going back into a relationship because it, effectively you're going backwards. Like, if the rekindling is coming from a place of self reflection and growth then I would say given another chance um knowing that often a bit of growth is not actually enough like and especially if the growth is one-sided then it won't last okay question number six um I again morphed this one because there was quite a few questions on like what are your thoughts on soulmates or um do you believe in the one or what's your take on marriage and how would you define monogamy? So kind of just here is how I feel about those definitions and um, really understanding too that concepts mean 
like they mean what you attribute meaning to. Wow, that was not English. These are just words. So marriage, for example, has a pretty heavy uh, weight, a religious connotation, societal contract obligation. But that's just a story. It means whatever you give it meaning. Um, so the way that I define these words is a way that works for me and empowers me to have healthy relationships, to feel empowered in relational dynamics. And if something I say doesn't jive with you, that that's cool. Like give it your own definition. Um, but yeah, so soulmates, um, to me are people that are magnetized in this lifetime together for growth. And I do believe that they're karmic contracts that we signed before being born. Um, and that we have this soul connection as a way to learn and grow in the ways that we need to in this lifetime. Um, the one, the concept of the one. Oh, someone said this to me recently and I was like, ah, oh, amen. Like the one can only be known in retrospect. It's the person who at the end of your life continued to show up and choose growth instead of self-abandonment or avoidant behavior. Like you can't know someone is the one when you meet them because what makes them the one is the daily commitment to the relationship, to you, to themselves, and to honor like the sacred union of two people. Many people can be the one. Um, your soulmate could be the one actually, but that's if the two of you decide to use one another as mirrors for self-transformation and growth throughout your life. Like our soulmates come with a lot of baggage and triggers and deep work. Um, I believe this is a path towards enlightenment. Like your partner is your biggest teacher because oftentimes, um, like oftentimes your soulmate's not the one because the work is too confronting for one or both partners. Um, but yeah, again, it's only in retrospect. If the person chooses you, if you choose the person, you continue to choose one another in hopefully a way that is healthy and conducive to like your mutual growth. That's the one. Um, marriage again is just the word. Um, but the meaning that you give it makes it sacred. So to me, marriage is a commitment to self-exploration in a safe container it's a commitment to using one another like as each other's mirror and greatest teacher to heal from your childhood wounds to see and integrate your shadows um yeah it's a safe container to explore what it means to be human and monogamy um for me is not sharing sexual energy with anyone outside of your relationship um, sex is obvious, but sexual energy can be a gaze, it can be a text, it can be a conversation, um, it can be liking a photo on social media. So it requires like deep, deep integrity and self-awareness because only you can know if you're leaking sexual energy outside of your partnership. And that's not to say you can't appreciate other people's beauty, like I think that's very natural, but you can do that. You can appreciate people's beauty without leaking sexual energy towards them. So yeah, that's what I that's what I feel defines monogamy. Okay, um, I'm gonna end it there for today. 
Um, I hope you enjoyed listening. I definitely enjoyed recording that. This subject is something that I've become so deeply passionate about because our wounds are our greatest teachers. Like our hardships become these like beacons of light for growth and self-awareness and self-understanding and healing. And I feel like through the past year, I have gotten like a PhD in self. I have grown so much through this relationship. And I hope that you can see breakups, letting go, surrender, um, endings as truly like the life's greatest gift. Um, and as a tool for like really getting to know yourself, like when we hit whatever it means to hit a rock bottom for you, I would say that a breakup definitely takes you to that place. There is so much wisdom there. There is, there are so many sides of yourself that you maybe you've never met before and like sit with that, those, those parts of yourself really welcome them to the table um get to know them integrate them so don't run from your feelings don't suppress don't jump into the next relationship straight away don't like don't numb yourself there's so much beauty in feeling what you have to feel this is intuition like your your somatic experience your body's experience in this life is constantly communicating with you to align you with your greatest highest good with your authentic self with your integrity so listen i mean i'm sure the television looks super attractive when you're feeling low and Yes, indulge to a degree in things that make you feel good. But what's really going to make you feel good is living out of alignment. I promise you that. So on that note, I'm sending you so much love and clarity and grace through whatever you're going through. Um, I'll see you next time. Bye.